Hello, everyone, and welcome to the KASB, the Advocate Podcast for Friday, March 3rd, 2023. Uh, first uh, first uh, few days of the second half of the Kansas legislative session. We just got done with the turnaround deadline, and uh, at least as far as the education world goes, uh, things picked up pretty quickly this week. We had a um, a, a very interesting meeting on Thursday in the House K-12 Education Budget Committee. Uh, there was a hearing that was announced at noon on Wednesday on the House floor. Uh, we're going to hear Senate Bill 83 on Thursday at 3.30 in House K-12 Education. Senate Bill 83, as our followers may know, was the Senate version of uh, the expansion of the tuition tax credit scholarship program. That's a voucher program. And uh, the Senate passed it last week. And one of the things they did was expand the bill even further to allow parents, uh, let's see, I think it's about a family of four with a $120,000 income would be able to take advantage of a so-called low income voucher. So um, many problems with this, of course, KSB opposes tuition tax credits, education savings accounts, any kind of vouchers, they're all vouchers. So we quickly turned in testimony, but then uh, we're told that we're actually not going to be discussing the bill. We're not going to be working the contents. It's just going to become an empty shell. So Scott and John, you want to kind of add a little detail about yesterday's hearing? I know, especially Scott, you've been following the legislature for more than 20 years now. This was a very odd situation uh, Thursday in K-12 education budget. Well, it was, Leah. I mean, it was, you know, uh, as you said, you know, the chair announced that she was going to make Senate Bill 83 a shell for other bills. And this is called the gut and go in the Kansas legislature. It's often employed. Uh, it's not it's not the most transparent thing in the world where you take a bill that has to deal with, you know, fishing licenses and suddenly it becomes the uh, K through 12 school finance bill. Yeah. But, but usually the gut and goes are done uh, after uh, there are hearings on all these bills. And, you know, here you had the committee chair uh, announcing that she's going to have a hearing on Senate Bill 83. Uh, quick turnaround, everyone. Uh, I counted, I think there were more than 40 pieces of testimony submitted, uh, all opposed to Senate Bill 43. So, you know, the whole education community is kind of put in an uproar that, you know, there's this quick turnaround for testimony. And then, you know, seconds before the hearing is supposed to start, uh, she says, oh, hey, by the way, Senate Bill 83, we're just going to gut it. And, and, and so, you, you know, it, people in the committee room, you can testify on Senate Bill 83, but what, you know, what does it matter? So, you know, I mean, that's just, I mean, to me, uh, I, that's just dirty pool, and uh, I don't think it has any place in the legislature. Uh, you know, uh, bills should be debated on their merits. I mean, uh, and and everyone should be treated fairly. And and uh, you know, it, it just it just seemed like a a really I don't know. I'll just say just a bad way to do business. It was definitely very interesting. Let's move on and talk about what we think will happen on Monday in that committee. So. The schedule says they're going to take final action on Senate Bill 83, and it was discussed yesterday that um, there will probably be some things put into it. We expect 
we don't know, but there are a lot of there are a lot of rumors going around. But we believe that uh, they almost certainly will put the K through 12 schools budget into Senate Bill 83 because um, that process needs to start happening in the legislature. And we'll cover some of that more in a few minutes. But there will probably be also some kind of voucher put in put into Senate Bill 83. We're hearing it will be the Education Savings Accounts Bill, which is um, House Bill 2118, which gives a voucher to just about everybody to use at an unregulated school. It's kind of, it, it would be sort of the wild, wild west with your taxpayer dollars and uh, private schools and homeschools in Kansas. Uh, hearing they may also try to add in some special ed funding and some other things. And I think the, uh, the tactic here is to try to get a bill, get it out, get it passed and uh, force the governor to veto it because it it bundles as usual as we've seen in the past um you know what we think will happen monday is that the committee will pair bad policy with with good bills or or good initiatives so john you want to talk a little bit about kind of what what we're using to base our theories on about what will happen on monday well i mean it's just a very similar thing played out last year um it was it I can't remember what 2467. I can't remember what right. the exact number was last year. Um, but I mean, it was a big bill. It combined, um, you know, school funding, but that also, you know, had the open enrollment provision. Right. Um, it had the expansion of the tuition tax credits from last year. You know, Scott can probably speak to it more than I can in terms of how long this trend has been going on but just from kind of what i've heard this is just a, it's a more recent trend in terms of just kind of packaging these bills at least here in kansas so being that it happened last year we're kind of expecting to see that happen again uh next week yeah this is used to kind of attract votes i mean someone may say well i'll vote for the school funding even though well, like last year uh, i'll vote for the school funding even though i'm not crazy about the open enrollment provision but, you know, since this is the last train in the station, you hear that a lot. Yeah. Uh, I'll get on board this. So, but uh, I think, you know, this year uh, there may be some different dynamics uh, going on. And so we'll see what the packaging is and whether that does uh, attract uh, uh, votes or, or d does it attract a veto, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah, I think it's worth uh, noting, too, that, you know, KSB, we're really pressing for clean bills this year. We don't want to we don't want to pair policy with funding or, you know, good bills with bad bills. And so we're going to be advising, you know, our legislators and, and folks that we talk to, you know, it's not going to be the last train out of the station. Usually, you know, stick stick to your guns. You know, let's let's not vote for a bad bill that does one or two good things as well. So we're asking for clean bills on school funding, on special ed funding. Let's not try to to uh, make people hold hold their nose and vote for stuff that they don't want to vote for. So if that strategy is going to work successfully, we are going to need all of our folks to get out to uh, legislative coffees and to get on the horn and talk to your legislators. So. So that's probably enough on that for now. And I guess we'll just keep you posted Monday. You know, our listeners probably know that every day at the end of the legislative day, we post a Facebook live update on the KSB Facebook page. So 
Stay tuned to our Twitter feeds on Monday and then to Facebook Live Monday afternoon, and we'll fill you in on what happens about on uh, Senate Bill 83 and the K-12 budget next week. So I mentioned earlier that the budget uh, for K-12 is kind of starting to take shape. John, you want to um, fill us in on what happened on the Senate side about the, the uh, budget? Yes. So yesterday, the Senate Education Committee uh, worked their version of the K-12 budget and so there were a number of there are two kind of two amendments that kind of stuck to the bill um, to to the budget. Uh, the first amendment change uh, struck a lot of the enhancements that were requested by KSDE and uh, that were also in the governor's uh, budget report. So some of those uh, included the student mental health uh, MHIT program. So there's three million from there that was struck. Uh, there's the teacher prof- uh, professional develop money. There was 1.9 million enhancements struck. Uh, the mentor teacher program, one million was struck. Uh, the safe and or safe and secure uh, school safety grants, uh, there was one million struck from there. Um, and then there was ag in the classroom and environmental education and conservation um, money that was requested by KSDE. Um, that wasn't in the governor's budget report, um, but that money was also taken out of the budget. Um, so altogether, it was our six or seven million dollars kind of worth, worth of enhancements there that were taken out of the budget. And then on so top John, of that, can you, John, can you talk about why? What was the motivation for that? What was the can you why was that amendment made and why why did it pass? Yeah, I mean, th- there was a comment made that next year under the Gannon School Finance case, schools will be receiving 360 million as part of that Gannon settlement. The the not cost of living, but the uh, adjustment based off the Midwest CPIU. So that will be additional money because inflation has been higher over the last three years. Uh, schools will be getting a decent amount of money uh, because of that. And so the argument was, um, since schools will be getting this $360 million, I think was what it was, okay. it was over $300 million, um, that that money should, that's more than enough money, that money can go to these programs, that money doesn't necessarily need to come in the form of enhancements. Um, so I, Scott also kind of followed on the committee. I think I'm not sure if he has anything he wants to add to that. No, the only thing I'll add is uh, the 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 motion to remove the enhancements and the comment that you're talking about. They were made by Senator Renee Erickson, who's the vice chair of the committee. And then, John, um, what else did they do? Because there was an additional um, move that was made yesterday in Senate. Ed. Yes. And so part of the enhancements was also the special education funding. I believe it was 72 million is what it was. Um, they didn't necessarily removed it, but they essentially kind of kicked the can down the road in a way that uh, they want to bring special education funding back up during omnibus. So yeah. for those who don't know, Scott, can you explain what the omnibus, what that reference is? Well, the the legislature toward the end of the session, uh, they put together an omnibus budget. This is kind of an all encompassing budget. And uh, during that, the final days uh, in April, uh, they, uh, um, there's a lot of wheeling and dealing and conference committees. And this is where these omnibus budget uh, discussions uh, occur. And uh, usually um, they also have uh, the, the reason a lot of things are put off to omnibus. A lot of big ticket items are put off to omnibus is because they also get a, a new revenue forecast mm-hmm. uh, in April. So that allows legislators to have a better idea of how much money the, the, t- the state is going to take in for the next fiscal year and the year after that. So um, 
it's not unusual uh, to put, you know, these big ticket items to on the omnibus, but uh, at the same time, uh, it's also uh, uh, can be seen as kind of a delaying tactic or a tactic to put uh, big ticket items at the end that can be traded with other things. Uh, right. So, yeah. Right. And uh, the reason I wanted to kind of talk about this is that, so we had Senate, Senate Education Committee kicked out their version of the K-12 budget on Thursday. The House Education Budget Committee is most likely going to kick their version out on Monday. What happens next, Scott and John? What do we think happens then? I mean, I'll add, and I'll Scott can add any more at the end, but essentially at the end, uh, both budgets will pass their respective houses. And in the end, kind of he alluded to it during omnibus, during conference committee, kind of right before the end of the session, they will go into a conference committee. The Senate will have their positions on their budget. The House will have their position. And, they, and the negotiations will essentially kind of go on from there. Um, that's kind of the general, Scott, I'll let you kind of fill in any additional. No, I think that covered it pretty well. Yeah, yeah. So things are starting to take place and they're starting to take place quickly. Uh, so be sure and follow us here as we head into the very uh, busy second half of the legislative session. So um, what else is going on? We, you know, there are going to be legislative coffees this weekend. There are issues that are popping. Scott, Scott, what do people need to be aware of that, that they, you know, should be able to talk to people about this weekend and, and even going into the next week or two in the legislature? Well, I think uh, one of the things that there, there's a lot of information uh, being put out there by some legislators uh, in leadership positions and by some groups that support these vouchers uh, that we oppose. And a lot of the information is uh, basically their argument uh, for these private school vouchers is that Kansas public schools are not doing a good job. And our counter argument is, au contraire, uh, they are doing a good job. Uh, they uh, uh, you know, we have uh, our AC, our graduation rates are the highest they've ever been. Our ACT scores and the ACT test is, is an important indicator because this is the test. This is the money test. You know, kids take the ACT thinking uh, this is going to help me uh, get scholarships and things. Our ACT scores held steady this year, whereas nationwide, they went down. Uh, we were only 40, we were one of only six states where they held uh, steady. Our kids are getting uh, CTE career tech ed certificates at record paces. Um, you know, our, our, there's like more than a third of our high school graduates are graduating with, with post-secondary uh, certificates. So, I mean, and this is this is after the largest disruption in in school history over the past hundred years. And I'm talking about COVID. So I mean, I, I think we're doing a great job, and and our teachers should be um, and our schools should be held held up uh, for praise. And you know, we're getting all this negative comment from uh, legislators and the pro voucher groups. And uh, so that's so that's what we're that's what the debate's about. That's what you're going to hear a lot from from some of these legislators, and and we need to push back that you know our neighborhood schools are the foundations of our community, and uh, we need to support them and not be you know to, 
you know, saying bad things about them, uh, misusing facts, uh, misinterpreting uh, test scores, and th things like that. So that that's my little soapbox for today. Uh, what about, you know, um, Scott, we hear too about that public schools aren't somehow that we're not accountable, you know, that they're, we're not oh, accountable, yeah. that we that we resist, you know, accountability yeah. measures that the legislature tries to impose on us. So we'll you talk know, that about is, that a little bit. That is the biggest joke. I mean, every cent of public school funding is examined and scrutinized to the nth degree, both at the local, the state and the federal level. And, you know, I watched the legislature pass hundreds of millions of dollars in tax breaks for businesses. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but I mean, you know, a lot of these uh, tax breaks are kind of approved with a hope and a prayer, you know, that they're going to bring jobs and all this. Every every dime of school funding is, is examined. And, uh, uh, you know, schools are held accountable all the time. They're held accountable by their school boards. They're held accountable by the local voters who elect our school board members. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I can't imagine a system that is more scrutinized. And it should be, you know, uh, because we're talking about the future of our state. And uh, uh, we, we don't run away from the scrutiny. But I mean, to say that public schools are not scrutinized, the money that we're talking about to, to prop up private schools it's or totally, homeschools or micro schools that are yeah, completely totally, unregulated, by the way. Is totally unregulated. We don't know what the kids are doing on their test scores. We don't know what the kids are, you know. I mean, it, it's it's just night and day. And and for those and for those people to accuse public schools of not being uh, held accountable is is just ridiculous. All right, good discussion. So also next week, uh, we're, we're going to have a bill on Thursday in the Senate Education Committee. It's House Bill 2236, and it's um, it refers to parents' right to direct the education of their children, right? Well, that is true. Parents do have a right to direct the education of their children and their, their moral upbringing, and uh, we agree with that. So our concern with this bill is that it's pretty broadly written at this point. It says that a parent could opt their kid out of activities or curriculum that conflict with their beliefs, with their family beliefs, and that the student's academic record cannot uh, suffer, that the student's academic record cannot be negatively affected by their parent withdrawing them from this activity or from this class. And so obviously that that is a, is a big uh, red flag for school boards, for teachers, for principals and superintendents. You know, you have a a class of 25 kids and each one of them now gets to, you know, their parents theoretically could opt them in or out of things. You know, they, you could pull them out of class and uh, they, their academic record doesn't reflect that. So obviously a big concern for school boards and, you know, really it's something that really should be addressed at the local level, you know, school, local school boards, we have a lot of processes in place I think every district in the state has some sort of process and policy in place. If people, if parents or guardians want to challenge uh, the curriculum that their kids are, are learning or, you know, certain books or topics that, that are, you know, on lesson plan for this week or this month, there's already a process in place for the local folks to take care of that. And it's certainly not something that the state needs to, to legislate. Scott and John, anything you want to add on that? 
Well, I, I, I think what you said is, is real important that, you know, every school district has a process. You know, if you don't want your child reading a, a certain book, uh, the school board uh, or the school district has a process to to uh, provide uh, an alternative alternative material. Uh, so, uh, you know, sometimes maybe uh, there's a an instance where uh, the school district says, uh, "No, we we need to we need to keep doing it this way," and the parent is upset. I get that, but every every school district has a process to go through to challenge a book or to challenge material. So the, the problem with this bill is that it kind of ties the hands of schools and says, well, uh, you cannot, you know, if the, if the dispute is ongoing, uh, you cannot, um, uh, the, the, the student, there's no repercussion or the student uh, you know, you can't reduce the student's grade or something like that. And we're, and schools are kind of like, well, well, what are we supposed to do? I mean, you know, we have to teach science. We have to teach math. I mean, if a student wants to uh, get out of that class, what, what are we supposed to do about that? Yeah, just very broadly written. So we'll be, we'll be testifying um, in opposition to that on Thursday in the Senate Education Committee. Speaking of uh, Parents' Bill of Rights, we also uh, sat in on a kind of a I don't know. I don't know if it was a press conference, but we listened in on a on a congressional event uh, this week that featured the introduction of HR five in Congress, which is what uh, the uh, Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy is calling the Parents' Bill of Rights, and um, kind of has some some bullet points that they're talking about. So House um, HR five is uh, what. McCarthy is calling a parents bill of rights. And, and, you know, I think most of it, I think almost all of it is stuff that's that we would say, well, gosh, you know, that's already happening. Uh, they would, the bill would say that, you know, parents have a right to examine the curriculum in their child's school and they have a right to see the reading list, right? Well, uh, that already happens in Kansas schools. And I think schools across the country that parents have a right to see the school district budget and how you spend your money. Okay. Check. We agree. That's already happening. Uh, that parents have a right to be heard at school board meetings. Well, yep, that's true. And uh, believe me, a lot of them do make their voices heard, not only at school board meetings, but in the grocery store and at church and any other, you know, at the ball game. Trust me, if you've ever been a school board member, you know how that goes. And many of us have melted ice cream to, uh, to show for it, right? So the thing that I think folks need to be aware of is that there was quite a bit of talk at this little um, video event that they put on about uh, that when parents tried to speak up about uh, public schools, that they were called terrorists. And so people just need to be aware of that. Uh, that's, that is misinformation that um, has been uh, pushed back on many, many times. Uh, you know, we, Kansas, Schools are not calling their parents terrorists, you know, so, so I think that's rhetoric that unfortunately we're going to see because when it, when it comes out, you know, at, at the federal level from, you know, the speaker of the house, the leader of, uh, of the house of representatives, it's going to trickle down pretty quickly to, to the media and then to, to local conversations. And so just something that folks uh, should probably be aware of. All right. Uh, so we're recording this podcast on a Friday. Scott and John, what do people need to do this weekend and over the next several days um, as we really start to kick the second part of the legislative session into high gear with 
budget and other debates about to happen? Well, uh, I would say beside getting their shopping and laundry done, <laughs> they need to uh, they need to get with their legislator. If there's a coffee in your area, uh, you know, legislators they go home and they they have kind of these updates where they update people. If there's a coffee or a chance to meet your legislator, I mean, just you know, ask them what's going on with the school funding and and uh, kind of uh, you know let them know that. You know, we don't we don't want this voucher uh, business. Uh, you know, I'll just say this is kind of these voucher initiatives are kind of sweeping the nation state by state, and uh, they've won in some states and they've lost in some states. And we want Kansas that we wanted to lose in Kansas. Uh, very conservative states like Idaho, South Dakota, uh, have voted these down. Rural Republicans, you know. Uh, in, in very, very red states have come to realize this is not good for our public school system. And so they have voted this down. And there's a lot of pushback in Texas on this too. Uh, the governor down there is trying to push a voucher plan, but there, he's getting a lot of pushback from his own caucus. So uh, if you see your legislator, uh, you know, uh, just let them know that this is, we, we need to prop up our public schools, not tear them down. And, and, uh, uh, a voucher system is is a, a step in that is a definite step in the direction of eroding public school support. All right. On that point, I think we'll wrap it up again on Monday. Uh, watch our Twitter feeds for the latest developments on uh, Senate Bill 83 and K-12 budget from the House Education Budget Committee. Watch for our Facebook Live update Monday night and uh, throughout the week. And we will talk to you all again next week. Thanks again to my colleagues, Scott Rothschild, John Forer, and our producer, Alec Madrigal. And uh, have a great weekend, everybody. Bye.